Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Commons People, the Huffington Post politics podcast. My name is Owen Bennett and today we will be discussing David Cameron complaining about his own cuts to council budgets. Uh, tax credits again, former Prime Minister Gordon Brown uh, waiting on that this week. We've also got uh, breastfeeding, whether or not it's allowed in the House of Commons, and David Cameron's EU speech. What does he want from his renegotiation? I am joined, as ever, by my fantastic colleagues. We have sitting to my right... Uh, Ned Simons. Uh, sitting opposite me... Paul Waugh. And sitting to my left... Uh, Graham Demonick. I'm not quite sure why I pointed out yeah. where you're all sitting, but it's radio. I think me and Graham forgot our names there. That was weird. But Well, let's, let's, let's see if we can make it slightly better than that. Um, Paul, if you want to talk to us first of all about this weird situation where David Cameron has appeared to write a letter to his own council complaining about his own cuts, is that right? Well, yeah. If a Labour MP were to write to the local council about Tory cuts to um, day centres, to libraries, to children's centres, not news. If a Tory MP were to write about cuts to day centres, elderly care, etc., it's kind of news. If a Tory Prime Minister <laughs> writes about Tory cuts to all those things, it's big news. We've reached and big news now. <laughs> we peak news. And it's almost as if Cameron's like um, sort of Davy the house elf, sort of smacking himself in the face and bad Davy, bad Davy. <laughs> it's, it's quite weird for the public to see this spectacle, but it's got big implications, obviously. And step forward into this row, the leader of Oxfordshire County Council, a guy called Ian Hudspeth. And his reply to David Cameron when David Cameron complained about this was, was full of zingers, one of which was, I mean, it, this letter was written as if it had been a guy speaking slowly to a small child. <laughs> Look, this is what's happening with my budget. I've got 37% funding cuts. I've sacked loads of people. What else do you expect me to do other than cut the front line? And basically we're saying what a lot of Tory council leaders are saying up and down the country as well as Labour ones we've cut the fat we've cut the flesh we're now cutting into the bone we can't do anything else and what was because there was a bit of a controversy wasn't there because David Cameron in his letter to the council basically said look if you want to come around for a cup of tea and have a chat we will is that basically what he said there was going went hold on a minute quite every council go around for a it was kind of it was kind of worse than that in a way because i mean labor have complained to the cabinet secretary about this letter because there's a key paragraph in it that says look Dear local council leader, if you've got a problem, let's smooth it all over. Come and see my guy in the number 10 policy unit, a guy called Sheridan Westlake. Have a chat with him. Maybe we could smooth things out about your frontline cuts. Maybe we could talk about merging some services and we could work things out. Anyway, I mean, I tweeted this morning that, well, instead of sending a cabinet secretary letter, why doesn't Labour just do a mass uh, letter writing campaign? Every Labour council leader saying, yeah. I'll have a bit of that. that Thank you. Be a lot Can of I have people, a meeting? Yeah. That'd be great. And they might need a very large room like the Albert Hall to fit them all in. Anyway, it turns out, I've now been told, that Labour are indeed going to do just that. So you now set in Labour policy because <laughs> <Well, laughs> you tweeted this this not morning. for the first time. <laughs> well, your, your name's Dirt with number 10 now. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, this, I mean, this is this is embarrassing. Is this embarrassing for Cameron because it shows him what is not quite realizing what the tax credits did, Graham? What do you think? Is this just embarrass him? Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 pro- it probably does. I mean, um, but maybe it's a point that does it, does he not have to say something as a constituency MP? You know, is there is there a difference between the is there a difference between the two? Just he has to put on this different hat and say, um, you know. You, you may have to cut things, but you can put more in the teeth and, 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 and less in the tail. And I think um, it you is embarrassing. More, more in the what? More in the, more in the teeth and less in the tail. What is that, that, is that a northeast phrase? I've never heard that before. He's, no, he said that for, before, particularly about um, police forces. Uh, cuts to the, um, right. cuts yeah. to, uh, the, the kind of back office, get okay, more right. boys, boys on the beat. So, um, I yeah. thought you'd been drinking again. So. No, no, it was a late night last night. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I think um, uh, absolutely, yeah, I think it's embarrassing. Well, that, that brings us neatly onto a next topic, which is actually, again, about cuts. And obviously, the, one of the biggest things that's looming in the coming uh, autumn statement is not necessarily just the cuts, but it's what George Osborne's going to actually do about tax credits cuts. Uh, and Graham, you've been uh, uh, alive to this subject all week, haven't you? Yeah, so um, Gordon Brown, uh, former Prime Minister and architect of the tax credits, um, gave a, um, a kind of barnstorming speech. I was, I'd would, I would go that far. He was, um, he was absolutely brilliant, actually. He was kind of um, pacing around the stage. He loves a good pace, doesn't he? Like, yeah, like a, like a caged lion, you know, like he couldn't, it's couldn't a good, wait to tear It's a good thing that off. the stage wasn't so long that he kind of got wore himself out. By going back yeah. to the all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he, um, his point, his point was that um, tax credits are vitally important, um, and he was urging um, uh, uh, Osborne to abandon them. I think we've got a clip now of him explaining his argument succinctly. And even if these reforms are massaged or they're phased in, they are so fundamentally wrong that they will lead to a divided and more polarised society in Britain with inequality rising faster than in any part of the Western world. But Graham, I have to say, I mean, Gordon Brown was the one who put tax credits in place. Him coming out and saying you shouldn't get rid of them, should we be surprised by that? Well, no, I think it would have been more of a new story if he said, actually, yeah, let's get rid of tax credits, I was completely wrong. So in that sense, it wasn't, it wasn't surprising. I think what well, the important thing was that he's, he's, this is a political heavyweight and he's a guy who um, is still well-respected, well kind of certainly on the left of the Labour Party. Um, he's a kind of big beast and he had something to say. He came out and said it and he said it better than most kind of politicians possibly could. You know, this is, a, this is an A-list politician yeah. right there and that was kind of... That was almost kind of a side note of it, reminding um, perhaps people of, of, of the kind of clout of the guy and the kind of influence that he had. And it's worth pointing out, obviously, he did it during the Scottish referendum. He sort of did a similar tour de force. He can still pull it out of the bag when he needs to, Gordon Brown. But there are, you know, there's a good Gordon. That's the good Gordon, mm. everyone remembers. But there's the bad Gordon as yeah. well. And on Channel 4 News this week, uh, just last night, uh, Gary Gibbon managed to goad the bad Gordon out of his uh, shell by raising the very idea that Frank Field wasn't totally on board with it. Him about the whole idea of tax cuts in the fir- tax credits in the first place. Frank Field said it's a bit rich for Gordon to start asking for any chancellor to have um, a U-turn on policy when Gordon never did anything like that. It was also um, good that um, Brown sort of slipped up and said Jeremy Corbyn's name, which he's kind of studiously avoided. Even when he was warning against him being elected, he always did it without actually mentioning the word Corbyn. And then in that Channel 4 interview, he did. And you could see this face, like, kind of, oh no, I didn't mean to do that. Is it like a Voldemort thing in Harry Potter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a 
hotter theme. Um, <laughs> but the curious thing about that was just yet again, I mean, Frankfield's old and long-standing criticism of Gordon mm. is that um, he's prone to rage. And Gordon did exactly what <laughs> he predicted last night. He, he really got annoyed on telly, light on this clip, and it just showed you how irritable he can still be when it comes to the personalities of politics. It was quite interesting that the same day, because John Major also was in the news exactly the same day as Brown, and was, did that matter, though, the fact that the two at the same time, Graham, coming out talking Goes about... to the Prime Minister's yeah. past, coming back to haunt, uh, haunt the government. Yeah, perhaps. And it, was, it generally wasn't a very good week in terms of kind of people speaking out against tax credits. You had Brown, obviously, major, as you say, on inequality more yeah. so than, than tax credits. But Stephen McPartland, a Tory MP... A Tory MP yeah, Stephen McPartland, a uh, Tory MP for Stevenage. And he was one of the, f- the only two Tories to vote against the tax credits when it was up in the Commons... In September, it was him and David Davis, who was a former leadership candidate. Now, David Gork, who is a Tory Treasury Minister, was uh, appearing in Stevenage yesterday, which would be a Wednesday, um, to speak about the tax credits for R&D, research development funding in this constituency. And Stephen McPartland said, I'm not going to come to this event because you won't talk about child tax credits cuts. And I'm so annoyed that you won't talk about it. I'm just going to boycott your event. And not only that, I'm going to write a blog post about it, telling everyone that I'm boycotting yeah, yeah, yeah. it. It's yeah. really embarrassing when a Tory minister comes to a Tory constituency and the Tory MP won't come and talk to him. Yeah. I mean, this is this yeah. is this is shows the and, those, and those David Gork events are probably packed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and, and there was a select committee report as well out also uh, kind of urging uh, Osborne to uh, reverse the cuts. And there were six uh, Tory MPs on that select committee. You know. It's Tory dominated, so the pressure's really mounting on him, and and he'll make a decision at the autumn statement on a week Wednesday, I believe. So That's right. All details will be revealed then of his of his U turn. Back to the, the, what's going on actually in the Commons this week. The Commons only sat for three days this week, Monday to Monday, to, oh, two days, Monday to Tuesday, wasn't it? Uh, there was no PMQs. It feels like there's always PMQs. Um, there was a there was a couple of interesting debates. One of which was on hedgehog preservation, uh, and I believe that leads us nicely onto Graham's stat of the week. We still haven't got a jingle for this. We yet. haven't got a uh, Graham stat of the week. Yeah, that'll do. Okay. Um, so the stat of the week is based around a um, a debate that took place late on a, on a on Tuesday night. Almost going to blink and you miss it. Um, where uh, Oliver Colville, Conservative MP, said we should um, preserve the hedgehog. We should um, have it as our national species because it's. Uh, his population is declining. I'm building up to the stat. Yeah, 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 it's going to be uh, a cliffhanger. So the stat of the week is that the UK hedgehog population has declined by 30% since 2002. Ooh. 30%. And therefore it seems like there will be fewer than, uh, no fewer than a million hedgehogs left in the, in the UK. I'm behind <laughs> Oliver Colville on this. I think it's time to... To really, really ramp up the campaign. Say prickly issue, though, isn't it? Yeah, and it was a spiky oh, debate. Uh, <laughs> in the comments. Uh, also in the Commons this week, there was a uh, a bit of a row to do with breastfeeding in the House of Commons, um, and we've spoken to Huffington Post's um, parents correspondent Ellen Warwick about that. Okay, I'm here with uh, Graham and Ellen Warwick, our senior lifestyle editor at Huffington Post. Uh, Graham, you went to a debate this week about family life in Parliament and uh, a Tory MP is something that was quite controversial. Yeah, so the debate was led by um, Labour MP Jess Phillips who, uh, who made the point that the Parliament is very family unfriendly and one of the suggestions, many suggestions, was that um, it should be uh, allowing uh, female MPs to, to breastfeed um, in the Commons Chamber itself, in committee rooms, etc, etc. So here's the clip of um, Simon Burns explaining what I think we could describe as his uh, supermarket checkout test. 
um, and I may be old-fashioned, but I share the view of the um, last but one Speaker of the House of Commons, um, Speaker Boothroyd, who when asked on a point of order by a Labour MP for Swindon, uh, Julia Drown, um, whether it would be possible to breastfeed in the House of Commons chamber, she said that when she saw her checkout girl at Tesco's breastfeeding, then she would allow it. So that was um, Simon Burns explaining why kind of Parliament's um, not ready, perhaps, for, for breastfeeding to take place. And one of the other points he made was, um, was that um, the tabloids, tabloid newspapers would perhaps ridicule breastfeeding if it took place in the Commons chambers. And Ellen, I mean, what was the kind of what was the reaction from Huffington Post readers to the story when we, we put that out? Okay, well, I look after our parents section, and we put this story up on our parents' Facebook page. And normally, breastfeeding in public stories get a lot of reaction yeah. from our audience. Um, with people arguing both for and against it. But this story got very little response, and I think a big part of that from the few comments we did get was because it doesn't apply to most women. Most right. mothers can't take their baby into work, so the issue of whether they can breastfeed wouldn't be something that could come up. Right, OK. Um, but then... Do you think, because it, it was Parliament as well, do you think mm. people think, well, what, you know, it might, it's not even their own work, it's Parliament itself, I guess, is quite still disconnected from people's lives, so... They, they couldn't see themselves in that position. Do you think that's why it might have been too? Very much so. Whereas if it was a story of a mum who'd been who had been ridiculed for breastfeeding in public, that would be something that got people up in arms. But the idea is all very hypothetical, and it's all very much related to a very small been group of people. Huge stories about kind of breastfeeding in public, haven't they? Where they get <laughs> massive reaction to it. Definitely, and there have been big campaigns with people focusing on how to normalise breastfeeding so that it isn't an issue, and it doesn't become something that could even be up as an idea that some, some people could ridicule. It's, it's a very normal practice. It happens all over the world thousands of times a day. Um, and I think the MP's idea that people doing it in Parliament would bring ridicule on Parliament is just very outdated. Is it, I mean, it, that was the argument that some people make, is that Parliament should be leading, leading the way on this, is what MPs and, and Parliament are doing. Do you think if they did, it would, it would encourage other businesses, other, other employers to do the same? I think... The more high-profile people who are seen breastfeeding, it does make it easier then for other people to do it without that fear. It will feed down. Um, and also the idea that was raised in Parliament that until a, a mum in Tesco's can breastfeed, yeah. it's almost the other way around because an employer isn't going to allow their employees to breastfeed until they've seen other organisations that allow their members more privilege as it is. Until it starts at that level, it's not going to get down to supermarket workers. That was Ned Graham and Ellen there discussing breastfeeding. We did run a, a poll, a Twitter poll, you can do these things now, um, before we came into recording saying whether or not um, you, people thought they should be breastfeeding in the House of Commons. 80% of people said yes, so quite decisive there. Um, before we go on to Cameron's EU speech, let's do the uh, quote of the week from the 1515. So you spoke to um, Stephen Kinnock, didn't you, Labour MP? I and did. a famous name, Owen. <laughs> yes, Stephen. Oh, no, the oh, Kinnock. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry. Yes. He is, of course, the uh, son of former Labour MEP Glenis Kinnock. Yeah. Uh, and also, of course, former leader Neil Kinnock. And he said this about his dad being elected leader. When you're a 13-year-old boy, you get pretty embarrassed by anything, and then suddenly you're walking around a shopping centre in Ealing with a famous dad. And there's an element of sort of resenting that. Yeah. So that was his, that was his thoughts. <laughs> Speaking of a European family, the Kinnocks, oh. uh, David Cameron gave a speech this week on Europe, Owen. He did. What did he say? Well, the EU referendum 
which feels like a never-ending. It's supposed to be taking place before the end of 2017. And this was a big speech that David Cameron gave at the beginning of the week, setting out what he wanted from this renegotiation ahead of the referendum. And he sort of set out four key things, which I'll run through very briefly. Protection of the single market for Britain and non-Euro countries. Boosting competitiveness by getting rid of too much red tape. Getting rid of the ever closer union for Britain. We don't want it, he said. And restricting... EU migrants' access to in-work benefits, such as tax credits. Now, Paul, you wrote a very informative blog about this, about why the, the change to his language around EU migrants' benefits was quite key. Well, when we were all sitting there at Chatham House, this great big moment, this great big speech from the Prime Minister, long-awaited, um, as well at the same time as him delivering this letter with these four points to, to the European Council's Donald Tusk. We were all sitting there and waiting for what was going to be new in it. And to be honest, the newest thing was a retreat on the whole idea of EU migrant benefits. Cameron wanted to cut them and make sure that for four years an EU migrant couldn't come to the UK and claim in-work benefits. Big, big policy ask from him. But then he changed his language in this speech and said, well, actually, there are different ways of getting there. And we all instantly thought, well, not quite U-turn, but certainly a retreat possible. So looking at the rearview mirror. Maybe, exactly. Yeah. And we were thinking, well... Obviously, summing's up, he's done, trying his damnedest to mm. make sure that actually he can get this renegotiation through the Germans, through all the, all the big countries that matter. And obviously, Angela Merkel and people have said, look, I'm sorry, we can't have a, a 40-year ban on people coming over to Britain and not claiming in-work benefits. It would be discriminatory, be unfair, be illegal. So Cameron's had to backtrack a bit about on that. But what was interesting is that the whole idea of EU migration is obviously the biggest, biggest risk for Cameron in the referendum in terms of losing it. Because if, if the migration issue, the immigration issue, takes off amongst Labour voters and Labour, um, UKIP voters and Tory voters, that, that's a problem. And he knows it's a problem. The question is how he gets there. I think he's played with his, this issue for so long, the idea that he, that he can have a proper ban on EU migration. He risks um, getting burned by it. I mean, you saw this week, I mean, they were so keen on getting the message out that they started talking about various statistics about how many people were claiming or not. Yeah, one of the things that Cameron came out with was he says that around 40% of um, EU migrants who come to the UK are supported by UK benefits, whether that's in-work benefits such as tax credits or out-of-work benefits. Um, but when you dig deeper into the figures, which yeah. didn't really materialise until afterwards, it was criticised by a lot of important stat fact-checking bodies. It's not quite what you think, because actually if you live in a house of five people and just one of you, if you're a migrant, just one of you claims EU uh, or benefits from some, some form of tax credit, then you're all counted as benefiting from it. So it sort of massages the figures a little bit. They use just a 5% sample of migrants who arrive in the, in the UK. Um, the data's already two years old. There's loads of health warnings in there. It even yeah. says in the stats that come out, there's a degree of uncertainty in these figures. <laughs> so it was, it was I mean, back of the fag pack here. Yeah. I mean, and the UK, UK Statistics Authority, the watchdog, actually said afterwards yesterday, this was a disappointing um, set of stats, the way they come out. Yeah. So, and they're upset, then something is really up. And, not, and they, they weren't the only people upset by this. Uh, the the, the Eurosceptic Tories were not happy with David Cameron's uh, speech. Here we have a clip of Jacob Rees-Mogg in the House of Commons who gives his view on David Cameron's speech. My right honourable friend must know that this is pretty thin gruel, much less than people had come to expect. 
from the government. It takes out a few words from the preamble but does nothing about the substance of the treaties. It deals with competition for which the European Commission itself has a proposal. It fails to restore control of our borders. It seems to me that its whole aim is to make Harold Wilson's renegotiation look respectable. Jackie Roos mug there in fine form. Um, I think that the problem that David Cameron's got is that there's a, a large number of people in this party who just want to get out of the EU, and therefore no matter what he gives them, he's not going to be good enough. But there's a lot of people in there who are perhaps naturally Eurosceptic, but kind of still want to be in the EU and do genuinely want a renegotiation. And I don't think he's giving them enough either. They all seem extremely their unimpressed, like watching that that debate with them. They all just seemed utterly kind of not not bemused, but there was no kind of joy on their faces. I like the idea that I think Rhys Mogg said it was thin gruel. I'm not sure he's ever had thin gruel before, but they just looked completely unimpressed. They were really Jenkin unimpressed. particularly was. And it, but then again, that whole point about this referendum is David Cameron doesn't have to impress his backbenchers. He has to actually make the difference with the public out there. Are they going to vote to stay? Are they going to vote to leave? And what will clinch it is who's selling the message. Ned, we did some polling today, didn't we? Or we had some polls from, from uh, a guy who works for Greenberg Pollsters, and he said there could be some key influences that would shift opinion. Yeah, I think well, one way where it might be the case that the backbenchers' opinion does matter is the poll made the point that um, Boris Johnson and David Cameron, what they say will have a big impact on what, the, on what Tory voters think, and to, to swing Tory voters swings a referendum. And that, so this kind of idea that Boris might choose to campaign for out, he might decide that on the basis of what the parliamentary party looks like it's heading towards in order for leadership bid. So I think in that way it does matter what the benches think, because if Boris is making a determination of which way to jump, they need him to jump to remain in order to get Tory voters to vote remain in order to remain in the European Union. Yeah, but what would swing the public, it seems, in that poll is <laughs> someone like Martin Lewis of MoneySupermarket.com. Really? He's the most trusted figure amongst the public. So if he came out and said, whoa, we've got to stay in the European Union, guys, then he, maybe people He actually uh, tweeted in reply to that poll earlier this morning saying, I think I'm a bit busy. So I, think, <laughs> I, don't, think I don't think he's jumping maybe into the campaign. The, maybe get the newsreader uh, Martin Lewis to do it. He's very <laughs> fond of cats. I have no idea who. Marcus We're showing our age now, Graham. I know, I know. I know what you're talking about, as always. Anyway, uh, the EU referendum, I'm sure, will run and run and run and run and run. Um, just time now for this week's quiz. Earlier in the week, Philip Hammond said he was not happy with the £5.4 billion of arms deals with Saudi Arabia because it wasn't enough. He wants no, more. He wants more. more arms deals than with Saudi Arabia. So this week's quiz is called... Uh, I can't believe we're doing this. It's called Up in Arms or Down in the Mouth. I'm leaving now. Yeah, <laughs> this is not important. I'm very worried about something a bit of paper. This yeah. is, uh, according to the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute, yeah? No. Okay. I, know, okay. I, know, I know those guys. I know those guys. Good guys. Good guys. Of good guys. the top 15 arms exporters in the world last year, okay? Right. So I'm going to read out some countries, and you've got to tell me whether or not they were up in arms, top 15, right. or down in the mouth they weren't there. Why, why is down in the mouth? The, uh... It just sounded right. Right. Okay, so the first one is, uh, okay, is Taiwan up in arms or down in the mouth? Down in the mouth. I think they buy lots of weapons from America. Yeah, is this about exports or about yeah, imports? This is, this is about exports. Yeah, I think they're down in the mouth. Great. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They are the seventh biggest importers of arms. Right. Okay. okay. Wonder Enjoy why that is. I've no idea. Uh, Ukraine, are they up in arms or down in the mouth? <laughs> There's a lot of weapons there. I'm not sure how many... Uh, uh, import or export? Down in the mouth. Import them by, you know, being invaded. Right, that's... Okay. 
Graham? I, I must admit, I'm confused by this quiz. I'm not quite sure, I'm not quite sure what is the two are. Is Ukraine one of the top 15 exporters of arms? <laughs> you don't even know. I do. Exporters of arms in the world last year. Uh, uh, I think it's down in the mouth. No, I don't think it is. Paul? Uh, yeah, the, I agree with Graham. They don't. You, you're wrong. They were number 10 for exporting arms. guns, like AK-47 or something? I haven't bought it down right, well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, the ones we... Uh, Let's have a look. Switzerland. Were they up in arms or down in the mouth? This won't go much longer, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, down in the mouth. Down in the mouth. Down, up in arms, I'm going up. Yeah, Ned's right. Up in arms. They were the 13th. Is, that, is it Swiss uh, knives? Yeah, Swiss knives. That's what it is, yeah. There's a lot of getting things at horses' hooves. And finally, uh, India. Were they up in arms or down in the mouth? <laughs> this is the last one. <laughs> down in the mouth. They're big importers. I'm not sure they're exporters. Graham? Yeah. What, what Paul said. What Paul said. Paul, yeah. as always, is right. They're the second biggest importer of arms wow. in the world. Watch out, Pakistan. All right, so that was... Got there in the end, didn't we? Yeah. To struggle this week, wasn't it? That was a light finish. It was, He's got 50 more flags on that bit. Yeah, it was, it was a struggle. Well, thank you much for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. If you're listening on SoundCloud, make sure you also subscribe via iTunes to get it delivered to your various devices. And uh, we'll see you next week. See you later. 